0: The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton.
1: Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. This is Jen and I'm, you know, Really struck by some of the things that are going on in the world that we have really no idea about. And some of the things that you're going to hear on this show that I pre taped earlier this week uh, with Dr. Peter Pry will no doubt shock you into a certain reality. And I think it's something we need to be paying attention to. But it's also relevant to what's going on today in uh, Washington, D.C., in the legislature down there. And what they're dealing with with this infrastructure bill, so I want to, I want you to think from imagine everything that you run that requires electricity. I know oh, by the way that includes the electric cars and the electric buses they're putting in the infrastructure bill. Okay, and the question I have for you is, what's more important: spending money on buses and automobiles that? require electric from our power grid, which is already uh, challenged, I'll say, or would it make sense to make sure that that power grid that you rely on for everything doesn't go away? So today's show is about the EMP, electromagnetic pulse concerns that are facing us. And it's really not a matter of if it will occur. It's really a matter of when. Uh, Solar flares, you're going to hear about that today in the show, but also man-made threats against us by our enemies to take down our power grid. So I'm challenging every politician, every legislator locally and in the federal government to concern yourself with making sure that we have the infrastructure safety guards in place to make sure that we don't lose our power grid. And there are things that can be done, and my guest will share some information about that. So I wanted to make sure I set this up with you because really think about it. What if you didn't have power, not just for 24 hours, four days, for a bad hurricane, but for an extended period of time that could be months or longer? We have to make sure that our elected officials are working together and following the mandates that were started by President Trump in his executive order to deal with the potential risks of our power grid. So take a listen to this great show with Dr. Peter Pry on Free Talk 930 WFMD. Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. This is Jen, and it is wonderful to have you all with us. And each week I try to create some semblance of continuity from one week to the other. And sometimes what unfolds in a in a conversation is something I don't expect. But then I want to dig down into it a bit. So we bring somebody on who's an expert on that. So if you remember last week with Peter Husey, we got into EMP, this uh, this notion of the risk of our electrical grids being compromised – and what would be the impact of that? And it really opened up a can of worms for me. And I want to give a shout out to Judge Jeanine Pirro because she has done a lot to raise awareness on this issue. But as we look at the change in tides that's going on right now nationally and internationally, I think it's important more than ever to resurrect that conversation and really talk about the safety and, and the international security factors of our power grids and our power sources and how we would take care of ourselves should we be compromised or run at risk of losing power altogether like we saw in Texas you saw what they went through I have with me today Dr Peter Vincent Pry an expert on nuclear and cyber warfare as well as EMP and anything that could potentially harm us through an attack on our power grid and Peter has also authored several notable books, including Blackout Wars, that's available on Amazon.com, and his most recent book, The Power and the Light, now available on Amazon.com. And he has several other books out there and just a phenomenal uh, resource for us. So I'm thrilled to have Dr. Peter Pry with me today.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for ha- having me.
1: You know, you speak often on uh, Newsmax and other uh National publication, so I really appreciate you availing yourself to be with us today and you also are former CIA which I always find interesting that we can even talk about it because it is so clandestine. but the fact that you've done that kind of um, intel work uh, i I guess my first question is tell us a little bit about your background and how does that Intel background play into some of the national security issues that we're facing today as far as nuclear and energy?
0: Well, I was the CIA's senior analyst on Soviet and then Russia, nuclear weapons and strategy, and, uh, and their top expert on electromagnetic pulse attack, nuclear electromagnetic pulse attack. And you know, started working at CIA in 1985. I spent a decade there. Before moving over to the House Armed Services Committee, where I worked on those same issues except on the policy side, you know, what do we do about these things? And I had my portfolio was expanded to include terrorism and NATO enlargement and a lot of other national security issues. Then I served on a a number of national security commissions relevant to both EMP—I was the chief of staff of the Congressional EMP Commission for 17 years, director of the U.S. Nuclear Strategy Forum. And served on the uh, Congressional Commission uh, on the Strategic Posture of the United States as as staff. So I've, I've been basically working on nuclear weapons of mass destruction and EMP all my professional life.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for doing that. I mean, I you know I would we add, often would say th- add on this, huh?
0: You asked me for my you asked me for my perspective, and I should add the the thing that's most remarkable to me is. Um, Looking back over the span of things, you know, what we're going to talk about today would have been deeply classified when I was at the CIA, and that's one of the biggest changes. You know, we've known about the EMP threat since 1962, but the public hasn't known, and most policymakers don't know. When I went over to Congress and briefed them on EMP, there was only one member of Congress who knew about it, Roscoe Bartlett from your district there in Frederick, Maryland, and America owes that man Uh, If we ever get ourselves protected from it, it will will be largely because of the efforts of Congressman Bartlett, who established the EMP commission, which did result, by the way, in legislation passed from Congress, things like the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act and the uh, executive order from President Trump uh, to protect the electric grid and our critical infrastructures from EMP, which is being continued by the Biden administration.
1: Okay, so we we love Congressman Bartlett, and shout out to him and his wife, and and uh, and I and I want to say, you know, we often say to military people, "Thank you for your service." We don't often say to people like yourself who have dedicated their lives to keeping us safe and informed, uh, "Thank you for your service." So I'll say that now on behalf of so many, "Thank you for all you've done to to work on these issues because it really is important." And I think as technology has evolved, in fact, I was just on a business call talking about all the rapid involvement in technology because of this last year plus where people had to institute new technologies rapidly, whether they liked it or not, just to survive something. You know, it's that kind of, you know, usually you think of technological advancement as a, a positive. But in many cases, in some of the things that I've read from you It's not necessarily positive. It puts us at tremendous risk that these um, different uh, equipment has has gotten so small that you can put it on the backside of a drone, for example. Do you have anything you want to say about that?
0: Well, yes. I mean, that's one of the dimensions of the EMP threat. You know, uh, an electromagnetic pulse, uh, you know, for your audience's information is basically it's like a super energetic radio wave. It's got so much energy in it that it can destroy electronics and it can be caused by mother nature you know by the sun causing a geomagnetic storm these things happen all the year but usually only affect countries at high northern latitudes but what we're we're most concerned about is a once in a century geomagnetic superstorm or solar superstorm like the 1859 Carrington event we're overdue for one of these and uh, you know if we get hit and we were almost hit by by one of these Solar superstorms uh, in uh, in 2012, you know, it would collapse electric grids and destroy life-sustaining critical infrastructures everywhere in the world and put billions of lives at risk. Nuclear EMP attack is the other issue, another dimension of the threat, and it isn't like a Hiroshima or Nagasaki type use of a nuclear weapon, where where you you know blow up a city. The the weapon is detonated. Above the atmosphere, perhaps as high as 300 kilometers. For example, you could use a satellite to deliver a nuclear weapon that high. The way North Korea has got two satellites orbiting over us at the optimum altitude for doing an EMP attack. And uh, the EMP Commission, which I served, was concerned that those satellites might actually be nuclear armed for surprise nuclear EMP attack. At that altitude, you know, they could put an EMP field over all of North America. You know, which would collapse. Not just the power grids, but cars wouldn't start, uh, you know, airplanes would fall out of the sky, nuclear reactors would go from Fukushima. And and, uh, both of these, all of these EMP threats can cause a protracted blackout, not just a temporary blackout, but a long blackout from which we might never recover. And uh, it's an existential threat because, you know, if we have a a nationwide blackout that lasts a year, we could lose up to 90% of our population the starvation disease and societal collapse. And the last threat, the one that rarely gets talked about because people are usually so in awe of the of the solar storms or the nuclear EMP attack, but is the non-nuclear EMP threat that you are referring to. And I just released a report getting into that subject in some detail, you know, because there are non-nuclear EMP generators, you know, that are really available to anyone. You can buy them from electronics magazines without a license. I mean, in effect, because people are so ignorant of what EMP is, there are companies that are selling EMP generators that are, in effect, weapons of mass destruction that you can get without even having the license. And these things are getting lighter and easier to uh, to deliver and more and more powerful. So you can put them on a cruise missile, for example, or a drone and program the drone or cruise missile to follow pop follow the power lines to take out electric grids that way. Uh there's a, a device called the EMP suitcase that can be purchased and, you know, you could put that in the trunk of a car and drive around to various EHV transformer substations and eventually black out the grid that way. Uh so in some respects this last and least understood part of the EMP threat might be the scariest and one of greatest concern, since these kinds of weapons, you know, are not nuclear, and you can even build them. Someone with a, uh, we did an experiment back in the year 2000 when I was on the Congressional House Armed Services Committee, where we gave a little bit of money to somebody with an electronics degree. I think it was, a the guy had a master's degree in electrical engineering, gave him a few students to work with and a little bit of money, and told them to go forth and buying parts from Radio Shack, you know, what could he build a, a non-nuclear EMP weapon? And they built two of them in, in less than a year. So, uh, you know, these things are very widely available, not just to nation states, but to criminals, terrorist groups, you know, anybody who has the money to buy one or the knowledge to build one.
1: So you mentioned in your key judgments that I was reading about this that there are dozens of nations to your point just now Russia China North Korea some good guys in there you know I- India Israel Ger- Germany UK Australia and Switzerland but you don't me- mention US do we have these
0: oh yes okay. well I don't mention the US there because I I talk at greater length elsewhere in the report about the uh, about the US champ Uh you know the uh, uh which is a uh, Cruise missile that carries a non-nuclear EMP generator, and you can actually Google CHAMP. I think if C H uh, A M P, all in capital letters, uh, attacks electronics, transformers, and uh, you know, there's a. I think it's still there. You know, uh, a, a short uh, a video that shows CHAMP in action, knocking out electronic systems. The Air- U.S. Air Force has bought these, and they're based in Japan, uh, so that if North Korea starts getting ready to make a nuclear attack against us, I think the plan is to maybe send Champ in there to fry the missiles, fry their electronics and command and control to try to stop it from happening. And um, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency is, uh, uh, I don't talk about this part in the report, but uh, they are uh, experimenting with developing, you know, very small EMP uh, Weapons that could be fired from a mortar, for example, or from an artillery shell. And um, most of these programs are deeply classified, and countries don't like to talk about them because it's a cutting edge, you know, new military technology. But it is ironic that there's all this work on offensive non nuclear AMP weapons, including our own CHAMP, uh, you know, that in the hands of an adversary you know, could pose an existential threat to our people by taking out the electric grid. And yet that isn't sufficient motive for us to protect our own electric grid, even though we ourselves are building weapon systems.
1: I want to cover that when we come back from a break, because I think that that's shocking to me that we haven't set in motion those protective uh, measures. So you're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. Dianovich and associates who's been great help for me on security issues and also kw photography design terrific at creating websites photography beautiful photography and graphics and we'll be right back a picture's worth
2: a thousand words capture your wedding memories in stunning photography by Kara win at kw photography design in a price you can afford here's what a bride had to say Working with Kara for our wedding was easy, and the pictures are phenomenal. I'm so glad we chose KW Photography Design. Call Kara at 240-344-3224 or visit kwphotographydesign.com. Making your memories last a lifetime.
1: When was the last time you had fresh homemade ice cream? Sweeties on the Creek is making ice cream. Stop in and taste our fresh-made selections, including dairy-free and all-natural flavors. Enjoy a fresh cup of coffee with a creamy shaker sundae. Taste a new fun flavor or an old yummy favorite. Sweeties, fresh made from cow to cone. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now.
3: Join us on Restaurant Row, Creekside. Enjoy great restaurants, including La Casona with fresh Tex-Mex favorites and Happy Hour Weekday specials, or Truth and Beauty, offering unique, tasty American fare and brunch. Stop by Sweeties on the Creek for yummy, fresh-made ice cream, frozen desserts, sweet treats, and plush toys. The Carroll Creek Parking Deck is right next door. Great food, fun times. Come visit us at Creekside.
4: Are you ready? to lighten up, tighten up, shed, and shred with plant-based protein, antioxidant fruits, organic greens, and veggies, plus gut health for a fraction of the cost you are already spending. This super 30-day program may support you to build muscle, burn fat, reset metabolism, lift brain fog, Increase productivity, break addictions, nourish, detoxify, and cleanse. Are you ready to look and feel your best? Replace 60 organic meals for only $11 a day with live organic non-GMO superfood nutrition delivered right to your door. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to superfoodswithgen.com.
3: Mid-Maryland's authentic free talk. A local legend except no substitute
0: 9:30 WFMD
1: Welcome back to Success Happens this is Jen and I have with me today Dr. Peter Pry who is an expert in all things uh nuclear energy and s- security of our nation and I just really appreciate Peter you you helping us understand this because I think most humans as my dear friend would say do not understand what all the ramifications of this are. But as anybody who would have listened to last week's show with Peter Husey and I, we, we kind of got into it. I was like, he says, well, you know, they came up with a, you know, solution. You know, Congressman Bartlett was really driving that in a lot of ways. They came up with, I think, the net would be a $4 billion cost. But the energy companies won't, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, the energy companies won't... Um, You know, they can't – their hands are tied. They can't just put that – so they've got to pass that cost along to the consumer. I'm thinking, why? You know, we send money to Iran. We send money to all the bad guys. We help people who are trying to break into our country all the time. Why can't we just help our own people on this? Why on earth do we have to pass that cost on to the people and have that be a reason not to protect ourselves or have the protective measures in place to ensure that in the event this happens – we're protected.
0: Well, we don't have to pass the costs, you know, onto the people. Uh, you know, uh, in a recent article I wrote, uh, an open letter to Ann Neuberger, who's the new the the deputy national security advisor on cyber security. And EMP is related to cyber warfare, by the way. One, uh, I, I include a a two sentence um, amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that could be passed if Congress passed it you know it would empower the Secretary of Defense to uh to reprogram 4 billion dollars you know which is a tiny part of the defense budget in order to protect the uh the electric power grid um this and 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 I and I wouldn't trust the utilities to do it it's not that their hands are tied uh you know they just don't want to do it they don't want to spend money on national security on cybersecurity, on EMP security, on protecting against physical sabotage, because they don't see that as their job. They, until they see their such job time,
1: you know, Peter, forgive me, but until such time as they don't have a job because we don't have a, and a power grid, <laughs> I mean, that would pretty much put them out of
0: business. But they're but they but they are right. Uh, you know, constitutionally, it's the job of the federal government to, to provide for the common defense, and the grand strategy we've been following for twenty years. You know, which is the so called public private partnership, you know, where the government and the private sector work together to try to protect our infrastructures against cyber attacks or physical attacks or EMP attacks, just as doomed to fail, you know, because the governor, the government plays the role of the junior partner. And this is a way for them to shift the responsibility onto the shoulders of the utilities. And the utilities don't have the expertise. They're not experts in cyber or EMP or physical sabotage, although they pretend to be, and they reassure the government, don't worry, you know, we're we're on top of this. But they're never on top of this because they don't have the competence. And they only say that because they want to avoid regulation or being forced themselves to spend the money. And so this kabuki dance has been played for 20 years between the government and the industry, both sides trying to shove the responsibility onto the other, when it really belongs to the government. You know, the federal government needs to take a muscular approach to this. It should be a Defense Department lead. Uh, uh, We have defense contractors who, since 1962, have been hardening military systems against EMP. And if you're hardened against EMP, by the way, it'll also protect our— infrastructures against the worst case cyber threats. You know, you don't need to fight a cyber threat with a with a bit better bug. There are ways of hardwiring the security into into the systems, you know, so that they're basically going to be protected against EMP and cyber and e, and physical sabotage. Um and that's that's where we have failed and it's not like the government hasn't tried to do anything. I mean, uh Congress has passed a critical infrastructure protection act. It's part of the law. We can thank Senator Ron Johnson for that. Uh, you know, back in 2015, uh, President Trump passed the EMP executive order, directing the federal government, you know, to protect not only our electric grids but all the life-sustaining critical infrastructures, and to report to him. Uh, in fact, I briefed President Trump on EMP before he became president, and I, I remember him saying to me, don't worry, Dr. Pry. He he wanted to know how come it is that we haven't protected ourselves against this existential threat yet. And I told him you know, that nobody wanted to take responsibility for this threat because it was such a big, difficult-to-understand problem, difficult to understand for those who don't have the expertise in it. So the Department of Defense would say, well, an EMP can come from the sun, so this responsibility belongs to the Department of Homeland Security. The Department of Homeland Security would say, well, you know, the electric grids don't belong to the government. They belong to the private sector. So this is a job for the Department of Energy and the electric utilities. And the electric utilities will say, well, this is a national security problem. You know, and it it can be caused by a nuclear weapon or a non-nuclear weapon. So it belongs either to DHS or to the Department of Defense. And uh, round and round, and President Trump said, don't worry, Dr. Pry, when I'm elected president, I'm going to knock their heads together. And we'll get this problem solved. And that's in effect what his executive order does. It it forced all of the departments and agencies and the utilities, the at least in theory, the executive order was supposed to knock their heads together. And he didn't trust them. Uh, they were to report to the White House, to the president's national, to the president himself, basically, you know, to provide a progress report every year.
1: Okay, so tell us more about that with the progress report and the president,
0: please. Well the bottom line is is that the progress report makes it sound like the government has accomplished a lot but it really hasn't because in Washington what passes for progress in terms of hardening the grid is having meetings and writing additional reports and endlessly studying the problem but they don't they don't actually make any progress in really protecting the grid against these existential threats and the you know the reason for that is because well the America I grew up in if you, if the commander in chief ordered the government to protect the grid, it would happen. Or if the Congress passed a bill ordering the government to protect the grid, it would happen. And that, both of those things have happened. Congress has passed laws. The co- White House has passed an executive order. But to, but we now know we have this thing called the deep state. You know this fe- permanent federal bureaucracy. Uh, you know that knows that if it, it can outlast Congresses and it can. Uh, resist uh it has mind of its own it thinks it knows more than congressional commissions and presidents i suppose uh they also lack the expertise and and consequently uh, the job just isn't isn't getting done uh that's perhaps another reason why they want to shove it off onto industry you know because the federal bureaucracy really doesn't know how to protect the grid against these threats and they don't want to admit that they don't
1: know okay so that is you know, profound, I think, when we look at the impact of the deep state, because, you know, we think it's about economics or taking down a political leader. But actually, you know, when you think about this, this notion, and I I don't know, but it's this is what I came up to my mind was this industrial military complex. Is that part of what we're looking at here that there's a the business of an industry of defense that is running things in the background inside this deep state?
0: Well, this won't be a popular thing to say, but I kind of wish we had the military-industrial complex back when it comes to protecting the electric grid. You know, when you look at what the what the uh, America accomplished during the Great Generation, you know, that lived through the Great Depression, World War II, up through Ronald Reagan's generation. Uh, you know, the government was able to accomplish miraculous things. You know, we we. The Manhattan Project built the atomic bomb, invented the atomic bomb in three years when nobody even knew if it could be done. You know, nuclear power was invented. Uh, you know, when it, nobody even knew it could be done. Uh, uh, Admiral Hyman Rickover built the nuclear navy. You know, back in those days, back in the 50s and 60s, aircraft, air, nuclear-powered aircraft carriers and ballistic missile submarines. Eisenhower built the national highway system. You know, 50,000 miles of roads, interstate highways. You know, uh, you know, we sent a man to the moon. You know, because
1: amazing, uh,
0: uh, right? We were able to do all those things because back in those days, people understood that you put experts in charge of these things. So you had Robert, not Oprah,
1: bureaucrats, not
0: physicists, right? Not lawyers, right, right, you know? right,
1: right. And, and
0: if you look at who's in charge of protecting our electric grids from cyber warfare and EMP these states they're all lawyers that are in charge of these things well uh, on that note we're going
1: to take a quick break and i hate to cut you off but we need to go to news and weather listen peter i am so glad you're here talking to us about these things because we need to be educated so that we can hold our leaders to account you're listening to success happens on free talk 930 wfmd we'll be right back
3: Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com.
1: Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have with me today Dr. Peter Pry. You mentioned before the break this notion of electrical, cybers connected, so I definitely want to link those two uh, later in the conversation. But you mentioned before the break about lawyers running things. And unfortunately, lawyers do what they do well is law. Maybe not what they do well is the details of what they call subject matter experts or SMEs, which you are. So you're a subject matter expert on such things. And yet they have lawyers making decisions that people like yourself should be more empowered to do. Can you speak to that?
0: Another another problem with putting lawyers in charge of these national security issues is that lawyers are not trained in the national security culture. You know, the culture they come out of is is one that deals with trying to compromise with people negotiation making sure all the stakeholders are happy and under these conditions when you you'll never get the critical infrastructure protect, uh, protected taking that way you know people who come out of a national security culture understand that these things are existential threats and that we need to do it quickly you know we need to protect ourselves against an enemy you know that's why we were able to build the atomic bombs in three years, and uh, uh, and build a nuclear navy and build a nuclear deterrent so quickly. Back in those days, we didn't have lawyers in charge of those programs. We had people who had deep technical experience, but also came out of a national security background, usually military backgrounds. Oftentimes, they had participated in the Second World War, and so they knew the importance of how this was happening. Uh, I mean, a poster child for 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 this for what we shouldn't be doing is chris krebs who was the you know former director of the of the cyber security and infrastructure security agency or cisa you know he was an obama appointee president trump kept him in his job inherited him i I had recommended repeatedly that this guy should be fired but you know for reasons unbeknown that i will never understand he was kept in, in that position and uh uh, he was actively sabotaging the president on trying to protect against EMP. Uh, and the, uh, I mean, that was an additional problem. You know, you, the, you need to share the, the president's vision and not be part of the deep state opposition. But he didn't get fired until after the 2020 elections when he finally declared that the elections were the the, the fairest and uh, most transparent elections in American history. CISA is also responsible for you know, sec- security of the American elections. And then he got fired, you know, but he'd already done his damage in, in, uh, in terms of not moving the ball forward on EMP protection. Now we have, Ann well, Newberg, it might've been, I'm,
1: I'm just going to add this. It might've been worse. He might've actually been there. Like you said, sabotaging, but uh, undermining, uh, the election process, I I've been covering it, uh, ongoingly here, the election integrity issue And the fact that there were people implanted in the government who were there to uh, take down Trump and uh, and they and they did so with whatever means possible. And they're criminals and they ought to be, you know, tried for treason. So that's how I feel about it. But other than that, uh, so. A little too little, too late. The guy's finally gone. But, you know, if he was Obama, he'll be resurrected. So what, what's the situation with Ann
0: Neuberger? Well, she's also a lawyer, OK, and doesn't come out. And I've, if she's starting with a clean slate, uh, this position, the cyber czar in the White House has never existed before. Uh, it was actually, I believe it was established on the recommendation of the EMP commission because we wanted a Manhattan project for EMP and cyber warfare, to protect our critical infrastructures, you know, just the way the Manhattan Project, you know, was was uh, uh, basically answered to the White House during World War II, and that was one of the reasons why they were able to so quickly build the atomic bombs. So we need a Manhattan Project to protect the American people from EMP and cyber warfare, directed from the White House, some place where you've got your, where you're close to the president, and you can cut through the bureaucratic. Red tape and get it done.
1: On Ann Neuberger, we're talking about the cyber czar in the White House, and and lawyers being in charge, and they aren't competent to do that.
0: I mean, there's a couple of other things I could say about that, like you know that I'm that I want you know, even though she's a lawyer, she's new on the job, and I'm you know, and, and hoping that she will that she will take a more assertive role for the government in this, but but I'm uh, but I'm not hopeful. That this is going to happen under her leadership as the cybersecurity are, because in the aftermath of the colonial pipeline hack, you know, the reaction of her reaction and the White House reaction was to basically blame uh, the industry and say they've got to get better at protecting themselves and it's their responsibility to protect themselves. And again, this goes back to this public private partnership thing that is a doomed to fail strategy. You know, where the government is putting the burden of national security on the private sector, you know, this is not going to work, you know, because, because the uh, – I mean, in fact, when you think about it for a second, though, right, the cyber attacks are being made by the best, the elite of Russia, China, North Korea, sort of their special forces guys in cyber warfare. And they're going up against the equivalent of our Kmart security guard. It's <laughs> inevitable that we're going to fail, okay? Right. You know, our cyber elites work for cyber command, you know, in the National Security Agency and then the intelligence community. And, uh, uh, and the, the Defense Department has, you know, the, the contractors who know how to protect against threats like EMP. You know, our best has to be able to confront their best if we expect to have a chance, you know, to win cyber warfare uh, that well, we're basically it, engaged in now. And that isn't happening.
1: Well, there are Doesn't some people that it's who, gonna happen either. you know, there are some people who believe that this administration may not really be interested in winning. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're we, we're in a battle against China right now, at least. And so, you know, maybe if if they have the upper hand on some of these things that if 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 indeed there's a there's a support for, the, if, you know why why have somebody who's incompetent running a program, unless of course you want to fail at that program. I mean that's how I'd go. So
0: I think well, I that think that gives too much credit to the government. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, I I I i I know there's a lot of you know conspiracies out there and the and the idea that oh the government wants this to happen. This is their plan, that there's some, you know, evil genius in the Biden administration planning for these failures. And uh, I would rather that to be the case than what the truth is, because the truth is, you know, I think that this is a civilizational crisis that we face. You know, every civilization goes through a period where every civilization becomes a great power or superpower like the United States, like the Roman Empire. Goes through a period where it has several generations of highly competent people, you know, who who achieve that apex, and then goes into decline, you know, because of corruption, because of the bureaucracy taking over, and uh, and then goes into decline and fall. Uh, you know, if the problem was we've got an evil genius arranging these conspiracies, that's a much easier problem to address, all you need to do is elect a good president, right? Which we, which we just had. We had the experience of having a good president. And, um, and then he can root out the bad guys and replace them with good people, and, prob- and the problem is solved. But if the problem is more profound than that, and we are basically in a civilizational crisis, you know, because the federal bureaucracy is riven with incompetence and corruption, to such a great extent that, you know, that they can't even do the fundamentals of providing for national security anymore, you know, then we're really in trouble like the late Roman empire. Right. Right. You know, how do you turn that ship around? Uh,
1: So let me just, let's, let's, let's go on to cyber and EMP, because I think there's some real interest there. And then I want to wrap up with election integrity. So tell us about the connection between cyber warfare and EMP.
0: Well, and there's a revolution in military affairs and the military doctrines of Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran, a new way of warfare that, uh, that they have all conceived. Uh, actually, they all derive from uh, a textbook a military, Russian military textbook by General Vladimir Slovchenko called "No Contact Wars," and they're all that was written more than 20 years ago, and they're all patterned after that, although each of these countries claims that they invented the idea first. And the idea is a war that has targeted electric grids and the critical infrastructures that you do at Pearl Harbor on a nation's electric grid, because it's the keystone critical infrastructure. And when it goes down and you black it out, everything else collapses, including the military. And that's true for us as it is for every nation. Ninety-nine percent of the electrical energy in our bases comes from the electric power grid, and we would not be able to project power. Slopchenko calls it a no-contact war because he means that you could fight and win World War III without the armies or navies or air forces coming in contact with each other. It would basically rend these traditional sources of military power obsolete armies, navies, air forces, obsolete, you know, and that you could very quickly, even a minor power, a, a failed state like North Korea or Iran, if it could figure out how to take out the electric grid, black it out for a protracted period, that they could win a World War III against the most advanced countries on earth, like the United States. And the, how would you do that? Well, you throw the kitchen sink at the electric grid. You know, you start with cyber attacks you include phys- small numbers of special forces going in there to shoot up transformers and control centers using non-nuclear e- EMP weapons as well with these special forces and then the ultimate cyber attack in their doctrine is a nuclear EMP attack you know which as i explained in the beginning of the show isn't they don't consider it a nuclear attack it's part of cyber warfare or information warfare or electromagnetic warfare And if you understand the physics of it, it's actually a good case because, you know, when you detonate that bomb, you know, 300 kilometers above North America, if you were standing on the ground directly beneath the explosion, you wouldn't even hear it go off. It's going off in the vacuum of space, 300 kilometers over your head. No blast reaches the Earth, no radioactive fallout, none of the things you associate with a nuclear weapon. Just that super energetic radio wave that will make cars not start, make airplanes fall out of the sky, collapses the electric grid, turn on the faucet and there's no water. You know, the food begins to spoil in the big regional food warehouses. We only have enough food to feed 330 million people for 30 days at normal consumption rates, assuming that the food does not spoil and it will begin to spoil as soon as the electric grid collapses.
1: All right, let me so inter- let you- me stop you there because I, I think everybody listening probably went, holy smokes. So we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you, what can normal citizens do to protect themselves? You're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. KW
2: Photography and Design. We'll be right back. A picture's worth a thousand words. Capture your wedding memories in stunning photography by Kara Wynn at KW Photography Design in a price you can afford. Here's what a bride had to say. Working with Kara for our wedding was easy and the pictures are phenomenal. I'm so glad we chose KW Photography Design. Call Kira at 240-344-3224 or visit kwphotographydesign.com. Making
4: your memories last a lifetime. Are you ready to lighten up, tighten up, shed, and shred with plant-based protein, antioxidant fruits, organic greens and veggies, plus gut health for a fraction of the cost you are already spending. This super 30-day program may support you to build muscle, burn fat, reset metabolism, lift brain fog. Increase productivity, break addictions, nourish, detoxify, and cleanse. Are you ready to look and feel your best? Replace 60 organic meals for only $11 a day with live organic, non-GMO, superfood nutrition delivered right to your door. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to superfoodswithjen.com.
3: Join us on Restaurant Row, Creekside. Enjoy great restaurants, including La Casona with fresh Tex-Mex favorites and happy hour weekday specials. Or Truth and Beauty, offering unique, tasty American fare and brunch. Stop by Sweeties on the Creek for yummy, fresh made ice cream, frozen desserts, sweet treats, and plush toys. The Carroll Creek parking deck is right next door. Great food, fun times. Come visit us at Creekside.
1: When was the last time you had fresh homemade ice cream? Sweeties on the Creek is making ice cream. Stop in and taste our fresh made selections, including dairy free and all natural flavors. Enjoy a fresh cup of coffee with Creamy Shaker Sundae. Taste a new fun flavor or an old yummy favorite. Sweeties, fresh made from cow to cone. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. 9.30
3: WFMD, serving America from above Grove Hill at WFMD.com.
1: Well, success happens. I have with me today Dr. Peter Pry. And he is an expert on all things uh, related to cyber and warfare and nuclear and so forth. And we've been having a fantastic conversation. Peter, I wanted to ask you to just, if you could briefly share, what are some things that people can do to prepare themselves in the event this should happen?
0: Stockpile food and water. The most important thing, you know, for a condition where the electric grid has collapsed for a long time, have a medicine kit and know how to use it. Think about your, where you live. Are you, do you live in a large city? That's a bad place to be. You might – do you have a, a place in the country, or do you have friends in the country? You might want to talk to these friends or relatives and make plans ahead of time about what would what you will do when the lights go out. But maybe the most important thing you can do is try to make the government do its job. You know, it'll cost you a lot less money to get Congress and the White House motivated to let them know that you know about this problem, and you want them to give this hearty, they have tried as I have explained in this program in the past, but they need to try harder they need to they need to take responsibility in the government for doing this and make it happen you know, and one you know one thing you could do is you know send a copy of my book, The Power and the Light, you know read it yourself, it'll make you an expert by reading that one book, The Power and the Light the congressional e m p Commission's War to Save America. available on amazon.com send copies of the book to your congressional representatives send a copy to the white house send a copy to your state representatives there's another book called blackout wars that also available from amazon.com and in it it has a blank executive order just two pages long if you could get the governor of your state to sign that executive order it would start Maryland on the path to hardening its electric grid. There's also a blank bill in there, just two pages long. If you could get a member of your state legislature to pass that bill into law, you know, it would start Maryland on the path to protecting itself. You know, you don't have to wait for Washington and shouldn't. You know, you can protect a state or a community if you can't get the state to protect itself. You know, an individual community, if you, you know, you harden, the uh, critical elements of your grid in your state or your community, and you, you know, have food and water ready and a plan for a protracted. Think it through, you know, for a protracted blackout scenario. You can you can be ready. But the best thing, of course, is to take the steps that are necessary. They're not expensive. We know how to do it to protect the electric grid so it doesn't collapse in the first place. And that's getting government to do its job. So that should be your. Objective number one, because it's uh, it's a lot easier to you know to buy a book and send it to your member of Congress than it will be to ta- under to, in effect to become a survivalist. Uh, you know that's a lot more expensive and difficult to do. Although I would encourage people to do that. People should be prepared. You know the great generation, my father's generation, that survived the Great Depression, and lived through World War II. They didn't expect the government to take care of them. They had seen the government fail in war and peace. And it was a matter of pride that people should be able to take care of their own families. And, so- I, and I think it would be good to for the country to engage in preparedness. And it doesn't mean living in fear. Uh, my parents, everybody I knew who was prepared Back in those days from that generation, it gave them confidence and comfort to know that they could take care of their own families.
1: Well, and and on that note, we're coming up to the top of the show. So this has just flown by, and I really want to, you know, look forward to having you back. But I want to emphasize to people, be prepared. You know, I was a Girl Scout. Be prepared. It's okay to be prepared because it sounds like to me it's not a matter of if it's going to happen because of the solar storm or some nefarious act. It's when. So be prepared, and there are ways to do that. There are lots of resources out there, and we'll start to bring some of those into us. I want to also thank uh, you, uh, Dr. Peter Pry, for being with us and the work that you've done across the nation and around the world to try and help us deal with these issues and also recognize congressional uh, Congressman former Congressman Bartlett for all his work in getting this ball rolling. So thank you so much for being with us today. We'll have you back. You're listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now and KW Photography Design. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on Free Talk 930 WFMD.